G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Hallelujah and amen. We've just started looking at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew and we read just a couple of weeks ago that blessed are those who mourn and it's not that we seek to mourn but we know that when we do we are blessed. And it's not that there's a special blessing. The more we can mourn, the more we are blessed, but rather we are blessed because of the blesser. It is because of what he has done, because of his grace, because he can turn things that are hard, things that are tragic, and he can actually bring good out of those things. And so we just honor Jesus as the ultimate blesser. We honor him in this situation um, and over this family over this community just on that as well i think the the heart behind those beatitudes are just to make it clear that no matter who you are no matter where you've come from no matter how many easter services you've been in or haven't been in no matter how many times you've set foot in a church the kingdom is open to you And it is all about what Jesus has done as the ultimate blesser. And we get to be the recipients, the recipients of his comfort, of his goodness. Um, Yeah, he's a a man who knows what it is to be despised, who knows what it is to be rejected. Um, And he is our comforter, not as one who's never been there, but as one who knows it all too well, knows it far better than I do. Um, Yeah, we have... The words of the Apostle Paul who says to us, follow my example as I followed the example of Jesus. And what's struck me is that Jesus could utter the same words of him with the Father. He could say, follow my example as I follow the example of the Father. We don't have a Savior and a Lord uh, who just tells us how we are to act, but rather he demonstrated it for us. So he lives it out. He lives that example And then he calls us to do the same. I remember uh, talking to someone just recently about an activity. Um, And maybe someone who's here today, feel free to speak up if it was you. But we're talking about an activity that you can't just sort of try out a little bit. It's an all-in. Maybe it was the water skiing last week where you just have to fully commit. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Uh, It's a bit like dropping in on a skate ramp. Like, you can't hold back, otherwise it's going to end up really bad. You have to put all of your weight on your front foot as you go down and fully commit. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. You're, going to, you're more likely to get hurt if you don't commit than if you do. Um, I can remember um, bungee jumping in, in, um, in New Zealand many years ago. And it's one of those things where... Like, you get the courage to do it and you pay the money and there's a fair bit of time between when you lay the money down and when you actually have to do it. Uh, There is an image of a bungee jumper, you know, point of view. You may be able to find Arian in that original slideshow. Arian jumped in last minute and he's doing an amazing job. He's really copped it because not only did I put him on the spot before, but we had an issue with the sound and he's the guy sitting behind the desk when there's an issue with the sound and it's a, a rough spot, but yeah, really appreciate it, Arian. Um, 
But the, yeah, the thing about the bungee jumping for me was that I had these two people who were immediately before me, and I don't know which one was more unhelpful out of the two immediately before me. So the lady um, who, you know, she shuffles out, she's all set up, ready to go, and then she just freaks out and she just bails on it. I am not jumping, and she ends up getting all of the stuff, you know, taken off, and she walks back down. Um, and then, so next guy comes up, um, and, you know, he gets all sorted out, kitted out. Um, he sort of does the penguin shuffle out, and then he just, like, turns around and does his backflip off. And I'm like, oh, man. One person bails. The next person's, like, overconfident. And then it becomes my turn to jump off and to take the plunge. And I remember being asked if I wanted to do a hand touch. So this is off a bridge, um, and you've got the, the water underneath. Um, and do I want to do a hand touch? Do I want to have, you know, just the right amount of leverage that I could give a high five to the water um, as I got to the bottom of the thing. Um, and I'm like, sure, I'll do a hand touch, give a high five to the river. That sounds like fun. Um, so anyway, I don't have the photos up there, but I did get a photo and a video because mum and dad were paying. Um, and I remember it as this glorious, like, swan dive off. I just, like, launched myself out. Um, and the photo looked amazing. The photo's me, you know, like arms out, nice and wide, and looking amazing. Video tells a slightly different story. The video is more just like crumbling at the knees, and it just so happened that when the photo was taken, I looked really elegant and amazing. Um, so it came off looking really good in the photo, at least. Um, but anyway, so my hand touch actually turned into a hip touch. So my whole upper body went into the water at the bottom of the bungee and then I get pulled up out of the water. I don't know how, I've only done bungee jumping once, so I have nothing else to compare it to, but I'm confident that added quite significantly to the sense of disorientation as I'm like bouncing up again and going, what just happened? And the other thing the video pointed out was just how cold it was. I didn't see them on the day, but the video clearly showed the snowflakes that were going past. So very grateful it wasn't frozen water, but they wouldn't be doing a hand touch if it was frozen water. But in that instance, it takes a lot of confidence in the equipment. You have to trust this thing with your life. Otherwise, you do, as that woman perhaps quite sensibly did, and say, no, I am not jumping off this. I'm not risking my life. I'm not entrusting my life uh, to this thing. I don't actually know. I wouldn't imagine they'd give you all your money back, if any of it, if you bailed on it. Because they've still same amount of time for them to do all those things. Um, but the, the thing that just struck me again um, is the trust of Jesus in his Father. And in some ways, maybe it's a little bit crude, but it's like the ultimate trust fall, what Jesus did. There was a plan, but the ultimate trust fall to trust his Father. He says, into your hands I entrust my spirit. He trusts the Father with his spirit as he dies on that cross. A little bit earlier, he had said, not my will, but yours. He trusted the Father. A little bit earlier than that, he did something that was so counterintuitive where he knew who was going to betray him and yet he still washes his feet. He washed the feet of Judas. A 
he does these things that are quite radical and, and quite out there. I want to have a look at, if you've got your Bibles there, at 1 Peter chapter 2 and starting at verse 21. I think we have it on the screen as well, but always good to have it before you. So from verse 21 says, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. There's much in there that we could unpack. It is an incredible statement that he says, having died to sins, we may now live for righteousness. And it's worth our attention and worth our time. But our focus just now is that statement at the end of verse 23. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He didn't react to the things that were happening to him. There was no deceit found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. There's a, a sermon by Tony Campolo many decades ago, and it's a very famous title. And he preached it on Good Friday, and he said, It's Friday but Sunday's coming, and it is a ripper title of a sermon. I haven't actually heard the sermon. I believe it's a really good sermon as well, but what a ripper title for Good Friday. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and I think it's a helpful one for us in those times when it's just dark, and it feels hard, and it feels like what's happened is irreparable damage. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, but here's the thing. Sunday demonstrates that Jesus knew what he was doing on Friday. We're looking at this from the perspective of a couple of thousand years of history and being on the other side of the death and the resurrection of Christ. But certainly for those in that moment, it looked like defeat. How tempting would it be for Jesus when people are mocking him and saying, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and then we'll believe in you. And for those who are standing there, it's like the greatest thing you could think of. Someone's there hanging on the cross. If they could come down from that cross, that would be amazing. That would be incredible evidence. And they would then prove that they were the Son of God. But he knows so much better than we know. And looking back on it now, that feels like a trivial thing to do compared to what he did, which was coming back from the dead. Sunday proves that he knows or he knew what he was doing on Friday. He trusted himself to the Father. The Father is trustworthy. The Son trusted himself to the trustworthy Father. And in a similar way to Jesus saying, I entrust myself to you, 
when he died and breathed his last breath into your hands, I commit my spirit or I entrust my spirit. The first Christian martyr, Stephen, as he was dying, he said a very similar thing. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And so as Jesus had done with the Father, so Stephen did with Jesus. He entrusted himself to him. He did something that looked absolutely stupid. He stood up in front of the Sanhedrin and he told them what was what. And when they were getting fired up and angry at him, he said, I see heaven opened and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And they couldn't bear to hear any more. They took him outside and they pelted rocks at him until he was dead. It's a foolish thing to do unless he's actually entrusting himself to Jesus. It doesn't make sense to do what he did unless he's entrusting himself to Jesus. Jesus, who entrusted himself to the Father, calls us to trust him so that we in turn become trustworthy and others can trust us. I think it's incredible to think of all those things. And I mentioned a couple of them before, but Jesus forgave his killers in their act. He didn't insult back as they mocked him. He didn't fight back as they tortured him. He didn't threaten. And when Peter started to fight back, Jesus says to Peter, put it away, I could call on my father and he would at once send 12 legions of angels, thousands upon thousands of angels, Jesus is not passively, aggressively saying that to the lynch mob that are there to kill him. He's telling Peter, steady up. I know what I'm doing. I'm entrusting myself to the Father. I want you to trust me. And it wasn't because he didn't care. It wasn't because he'd given up that Jesus didn't react to these things. It's that trust. And we're called to obey. And it's an interesting word, obey. Obedience is not the most popular thing going around. And often when we think about obedience or obeying someone, it's this fear-driven thing. It's like, I will obey. If I don't, I will receive a consequence, a negative consequence. Or maybe I'll just be frowned upon. Or maybe I'll just feel guilty. But we tend to put obedience in this kind of light. But what about that kind of obedience that knows that someone knows more than you do? <laughs> I had a, a message from a friend this morning who's a, a keen runner. And he's about to, he's expecting a child in a few months' time. And he's like, hey, Shane, what sort of running stroller do you use? And would you recommend it? So he reaches out to me because I know some things that he doesn't yet know. And it makes sense for him to seek my advice and to learn from my experience. How much more should we be seeking the advice of Jesus? How much more should we be seeking his will and his way about the little things and about the big things? And it goes beyond just seeking some advice that we might or might not put into practice. It's being obedient to the king of the universe, the one who has the ultimate perspective Good Friday looks like defeat. But he was willing to go through it 
because he knew what was coming. He knew the bigger picture. We have someone who's able to do what is best for us. What's best for those who wouldn't dream about being in a congregation like this? And what's best for his glory? So let's trust him. Let's trust him with our lives. Let's trust him with the big and with the little. Let's live as apprentices of Jesus. Where it's not just about getting his advice from time to time, but we're seeking to become like him. What do I do in this situation? How do I deal with this problem? We have him as our ever-present help in time of need. He is trustworthy, completely worthy of all of our trust. We're going to go back to that scripture that we read at the start, which was Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to read one more time the amazing reality of what it was like for those women. The women who went to the tomb, there's no indication that they were hopeful of finding Jesus alive, but they went because they wanted to honour him. And here's what happened. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. And just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. From the ultimate despair and hopelessness to the ultimate joy and delight not only did they see an angel and the empty tomb but they got to see Jesus as well and they got to participate in what he was doing at that time just because it doesn't look promising right now doesn't mean we shouldn't trust if anything it's a really helpful prompt and reminder that we need to trust. We're about to share communion together. And we're going to sing in a little while some words that are directed to God. You're never going to let me down. It's an interesting phrase because we can have all sorts of things in our mind as we declare this, you're never going to let me down. But I don't believe there is any moment in our lives where if we knew 
what he knows, that we would be able to say that was the wrong call with whatever happens. He's never going to let us down. There's not a chance of it. He is able to work everything and anything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What a great benefit. Anything and everything worked for good. We simply trust. It looks like Friday, but Sunday's coming. We need to trust. He has the bigger picture, and we trust him. I'm going to read from just a little bit earlier in Matthew. Matthew 26, the first Lord's Supper. This is Matthew 26, 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So we are going to sing a hymn of sorts in a little bit. But first we've got an opportunity to take communion together. And as we do that, we remember that it's his body that was broken for us. It's his blood that was shed for us. And it means a new covenant, a new promise from him to us. We live in a new day where we have access to him that is unparalleled in human history because the Holy Spirit has been given to anyone and everyone who believes. And that word belief, it is probably better translated trusts. Everyone who trusts in him. I think for us in Australia today, it's a more helpful word because you can believe something in our culture and it's just mental assent. But to trust, it's like sitting on that chair as you are at the moment. You are actively trusting that chair. Because if it was to fail, there would be a consequence to that failure. And there would be some pain involved. We trust in him. I'm going to pray. And then Scotty and Ello are going to um, lead us in communion. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you for what it means. Lord, help us to understand it more and help us to trust you more. So trust you in what you are doing, even if it doesn't make sense to us. We acknowledge that there's a lot of things that are happening in this world that are not your will. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that you are good and you can work good out of tragedy, out of nasty circumstances. Lord, help us to trust you in the little things, in the big things, to put our trust in you. We thank you for the body of Christ that was broken for us, the blood of Christ that was shed for us. 
Help us to receive these and to be reminded that you are the one who sustains us. You're the one that provides us with everything that we need. Hallelujah. And amen. So, if you guys want to jump up, and we will have a chance to, to come out and to receive a cracker. Awesome. I think it's crackers tonight. Um, and the, the cup and take them. And it's a simple thing, but it's not a trivial thing. It's a significant thing. As we take these into ourselves, we remind, it, we remind ourselves that it's him that sustains us. It's him that strengthens us.